This is LarryandFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Landon, and today we're talking about the Fishers Health Department. I have with me Monica Heltz, Director of uh, actually, the public health director for the city of Fishers. And I also have with me Dr. Indy Lane, who's the chief medical director for the Fishers Health Department. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. And Dr. Lane, particularly to you, I guess you're, you're actually on vacation and took time off to see us. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks to both of you. Well, let me start off with uh, with Monica Heltz, if I can, because you are, uh, both of you have a health background, different health backgrounds, but you're the director of public health for the city of Fisher. So you're really kind of running the department uh, day to day. Uh, you actually came on board about two months after uh, the uh, department stood up uh, in early April. So talk a little bit about the, the challenges, because as I understand it, there are only a handful of cities in the state of Indiana that have their own health departments. Yeah, so um, there's only two other cities in in Indiana that have uh, a, a health department that's separate from the county, um, and those are both in the Chicago area. Um, so, you know, that in itself, just starting a new health department, I think it's a great challenge, um, a great opportunity too to, to kind of rethink things. Um, and then of course, being in the middle of a pandemic is a challenge for everybody. So <laughs> I'm sure it is. And, and Dr. Lane, uh, I know that you were here from the very beginning that, uh, Mayor Scott Fadden has tagged you to be the medical director early on. I would have to believe that had there not been a COVID-19 pandemic, we might not have a separate health department because, as I recall the beginnings, the the mayor was pretty clear that he wanted a testing program for the city, for the residents of the city and the businesses in the city. And I assume that was your priority as you stood this up. Talk a little bit about those early days. Well, I have to give – thank you, Monica – to give Mayor Fadness a lot of credit because by the time I was brought on, a lot of that foundation had been laid in terms of offering uh, testing for the city of Fishers. Um, There are some things that require um, a physician, um, and I I feel very um, privileged to have this opportunity um, to work with the city of Fishers, um, especially to work with Monica. She's has a career that um, has been dedicated to public health, and she has been a huge um, asset. You know, as you mentioned, this goes far beyond um, just COVID testing, although we're very fortunate in the city of Fishers to have our own testing site. There are lots of other things that the, the health department is responsible for um, that I think we're proud to be able to bring to the city. Yeah, and I want to talk about some of those later, but let me start off because the COVID is what everybody's talking about. Um, one thing, and I'm, Dr. Lane, I'll, I'll stay with you for this question, and I have Monica come in later if she wishes. But again, getting back to what I mentioned earlier, when the department was created, I think uh, the mayor said, I want to have a testing program uh, available for all of my my residents and my businesses because he felt very strongly that the way to keep people healthy is to get them tested. And and then the way to keep the businesses viable is to make sure the business owners and the employees of those businesses had testing available to them, even for a fee. So um, Dr. Lane, I'll have you start. I'm sure Monica has something to say about this as well. Talk about how you are able to get started with the testing program and how it's gone up to now. Right. So if you have a, if you stand up a, a health department, you, the government has allow, allotted money to provide testing. And so the mayor saw that as an opportunity to be able to stand up a testing site. Um, the Fisher's Fire Department and their um, paramedic 
staff um, has been instrumental in being able to staff that Monday through Friday. And with the assistance of, you know, ha being having a health department and federal funds, we've been able to offer that testing um, using MACL labs for uh, free to Fisher's residents. So, so Monica, you talked about this a little bit in your uh, video. You do daily videos to every business day, and I try to watch them whenever I can. <laughs> and uh, the one that uh, came online to, today, uh, as we record this, the morning we that morning or afternoon, earlier in the day when you uh, uh, when you posted that particular video, you did talk a little bit about about testing. Now, to give you my quick personal story, I was I almost never go to meetings in person anymore. I am a high-risk individual. Uh, but I did go to a meeting I thought was particularly important. And guess what? A few days later, I get a message. We think somebody may have been positive in the meeting. Uh, of course, they were all masked up. We don't think there's any danger. But then it turned out later on they may not have been positive. It was a complicated story. But for that reason, I decided to get tested. So I, can, I had a test done. I had the swab and the, the tickling of the brain. All that was done as part of the testing program last Wednesday morning, and I had, at that time, you were being honest with people. It could take up to 10 business days. Things are backed up. I was able to receive my results the following Saturday. It was really less than three days, which was a very good turnaround. So uh, with all that in mind, and based on your message, I heard you uh, uh, explain today, how are the testing result turnarounds going for you? Um, I think they're much improved. We do still have a few outstanding results um, from a couple of, of days. So basically, as soon as we learned that we were, you know, that the labs were getting backed up, we started to address the situation and we put some measures in place to increase that turnaround time. Um, so that worked for the for the people that came and got tested after we put the measures in place. So our measures have worked for those. So you were able to get your results really fast. Um, what we still have kind of backed up is, is the, um, the folks that got, um, that were kind of part of the national backlog because those results had been sent to a different lab for processing. So we're still um, looking for those final, um, probably two days worth of, of results to come through. Um, but right now, um, like you got your results quite, quite quickly. Um, and that's what we're experiencing again for our residents being tested right now. In case people are worried about being around me, I did test negative, just so you know, I'll disclose that. I'll stay with Monica for a minute. I'm going to Dr. Lane on this too, but uh, uh, Dr. Christina Box. And little uh, aside there, she delivered my twin daughters, who are now 26. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Box is the state health commissioner. She was in a news conference with the governor today. And uh, she disclosed that the contact tracing system has been able to trace some of the outbreaks to particular events. For example, they tied one outbreak in the state to a prom. They tied another outbreak in the state to a series of bachelor parties. So have, I know you've been doing some contact tracing uh, as well with the city health department has. So have you found examples like that in Fishers? Um, we know that there have been some events that have led, um, led to multiple, ex you know, exposures that have resulted in positive, in positive individuals. Um, and we know that most of our um, individuals right now who are testing positive are in the younger age group. We use the same software. We're using the state software to enter all of our contact information that we're 
uncovering. So the state's able to pull that out too, um, because it's all in, in one central location. Even if even when we're the ones making the calls, we're still using that same central database. So it can all be kind of tied together. By and large, most of the uh, clusters of, of people that we're finding, um, um, what we see is that you may have a couple of individuals that are related to a specific event, but then we also recommend that their family members get tested and, and you know, all of their contacts get tested. And then so by and large, the, the larger clusters are actually the family units, um, just because when one person tests positive, the chances are pretty high that the whole family is then going to test positive or most of the family is going to test positive. Um, so, so have you seen examples like that? The reason I asked this question is that one of the school board members, and I didn't go in person, I watched the video. One school board, uh-huh. I think it was a school board president, said she thought some of the positives in Fishers were tied to some graduation parties. Have you seen evidence of situations, you don't have to be specific about it, but generally um, situations like that? We've heard of some of those situations anecdotally, um, but I, I couldn't tell you whose party any of them were. If there were more, more than one party, I suspect there have been several parties because um, because there have been you know people gathering all over the place. And frankly, with the with the amount of interaction that goes on with the young people, there there it's hard to pinpoint exactly one location. Um, you know, people think that they might have gotten exposed at a particular location, but until we can tie those cases together definitively and rule out the other ones, you know, having that kind of level of specificity and being sure about it is very, very difficult. We certainly know that since the athletic programs have opened, we've had a number of different cases that have popped up um, while people have been training athletically, but we haven't had any like large scale exposures due to any of our um, high school athletics um, programs. Um, they've, they've handled all of those uh, situations appropriately and been able to kind of decrease the effects on the, the kids that were exposed. So, um, you know, if they were exposed, which in most cases they actually weren't just because the timing didn't kind of line up with the, the contact tracing, um, specifications. Well, Dr. Lane, I would like to ask you this contact tracing has been around for a long time. But being a non-health professional, I wasn't very familiar with it, so I had to read up on it myself. And you're really just going back in history trying to figure out how some of these uh, infections happen. Can you explain just for the public uh, who maybe is not familiar with that term, just what contact tracing is? So contact, a contact would be someone that meets the criteria for a close contact, which in, in which case would be a person that was within six feet of an uh, infected individual for longer than 15 minutes. So what you try to do is you take the person that was tested positive, and then you would trace back their activities, typically for, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Monica, 40, the, the previous 48 hours um, from their contact to identify individuals that would meet that criteria. So if they were at a party um, and they were Um, talking to someone for potentially longer than um, that 15-minute time frame um, for within that six-feet distance and or their close contacts in terms of the people that they live with that you would assume that would meet that criteria as well. And so you contact those people to alert them that they have um, been in contact with someone who was positive and you would urge them, one, to isolate themselves and to get tested. Now, now, Dr. Lane, uh, I want to ask you about this because I know uh, the department has been working very closely with the Hamilton Southeastern School Corporation. All their school buildings, save one, are located in the city of Fishers. So uh, talk a little bit, if you can, about how you've worked with 
the uh, school system, they've had some very difficult decisions to make. Uh, the last decision was, a major decision was to do virtual learning for about the first month of the school year. Kind of explain how those uh, communications work, how you work with the school system to uh, assist them in making some of these big decisions. Right. Um, you know, Monica has been definitely part of those conversations, I think, and so I will let her um, answer in more detail, but I think it's important that everyone understand that as a, as a health department, um, our job is to provide guidance to the schools, um, that ultimately they have to uh, receive that guidance, a, a lot of which, um, you know, Monica has outlined in terms of, you know, potential ways to mitigate risk and to do things safely. And then ultimately the leadership for the schools has to determine how and when they will uh, reopen schools. So Monica, you want to chime in here? Um, yeah, I've been in a number of those conversations um, with the schools as far as, you know, initially it was how to um, mitigate the risk um, based on the reopening plans that were initially presented. Um, you know, we went through kind of what the CDC guidelines were, where they would get the most um, kind of effective a bang for their buck, if, if you will, um, because there were so many different recommendations to follow. Um, so kind of went through what would happen on our end when there was a positive so they could so they could identify which of the activities that they wanted to implement would be the highest yield. Um, and, and, and so we were part of that conversation. Um, but again, ultimately, which uh, items they selected had to be up to them because, um, because they're the ones that know the schools and how they operate and what's going to work for them. You know, so I can give suggestions and input, um, but they, they need to be um, the ones to implement it. So it also has to work for them. Um, so, uh, in a, in a similar fashion, you know, we, we have made our, uh, Fisher's data public and have, um, you know, encouraged people to look at that data to, to help them in their decision-making. And I think that's, that's, um, part of what's been driving some of the school decisions that, but, but they also have a lot of other moving pieces as part of their decision-making that they're having to look at too. So they're having to look at a much bigger picture than just our COVID data um, when it, when it comes to making those decisions. So we can, can guide them and advise them on how to make things as safe as possible and how to help in their response when they do have a positive. So we, we did have a workshop with them where, you know, we kind of walk through a scenario of what do you do when somebody's positive? Um, what's the communication chain like? And just kind of trying to pre-plan that and pre-think that. But, um, but ultimately they have a lot of other considerations that they're making. Um, and our piece of that puzzle is just one piece. Um, so we try to continue to keep them informed and present them with the data that they need. So um, now that they've released their metrics, we can kind of try to craft that to help um, to help with their decision making on when it's going to be appropriate to go back to school. Um, but again, that's just one piece of the puzzle. So we advise them where we can, but they're dealing with a lot of other pieces. Let me talk about one piece of that puzzle because the school superintendent, Alan Borf, at the last school board meeting, and I watched them virtually, now I watched them on video, mm -hmm. uh, the most recent meeting talked about the fact when the discussions were held with you and some other officials locally that the uh, Fisher's positive tests among the city's population was 0.63%, and it was just a few days later that it rose to 0.68%, which he said had an, uh, 
had at least a, was part of the decision-making process, that going up uh, was not a, a number he liked to see. Well, I checked the FishersRecover.com website right before we record this, and I saw that that same percentage is now at 0.79%. So, Monica, explain why what that figure means and why the fact that it's going up might not be a good thing at the moment. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not sure that that is the only number that he's been looking at. Um, that's a number that that's out there, um, but that's not kind of the most meaningful tracking number, um, and that's not the number he's referring to in the back to school plan either. Um, so that number is just a straight calculation of the total number of positive tests that we've had so far in our community, divided by the population of fishers. So that's how many people in fishers have tested positive ever. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty low number and, and you can do the same calculation just based on the number of tests we've performed as a, as a percentage of, um, the city population. Um, and you know, we're, I think we're only up to six or 7% of our population that we've tested at our testing site. Um, that doesn't include people that would have been tested elsewhere. Um, so, uh, so I think what what he was more referring to was some data that we had presented um, at the city council meeting, and then we um, re-recorded it. Um, Dr. Lane and I re-recorded it and put it up on our social media for people to view. Um, but that's one uh, where we also have calculated the percent positivity rate of our testing over time, and so that is a little bit more indicative of um, our active. Uh, active rates of infection. So that takes into account like how many people, what percentage of the tests that we're running, what what percentage of those tests are turning up to be positive. So we were seeing that number increase as well. So that's something that we continue to track and we're working on trying to find a meaningful way to include that um, on our website because I think that's one of the metrics the school was using. So that's the 5% positivity rate that they were um, referencing. Um, and that's that's one of the epidemiological measures that people use to try to decide what activities are safe. Yeah, and I just cited that because uh, the superintendent did verbally at the school board meeting. He didn't say that was the only measure, but it was certainly one he, he chose to talk about. Dr. Lane, I have a question for you because you have an excellent website, fishersrecovery.com. You have a lot of data there. I've also looked at the dashboard that the state offers, and there's so much data, so many numbers. Do you have any advice for those of us who are not health professionals to sift through that and and, and uh, glean some meaning from, from all the numbers that you see? Right. I think that that's something that um, Monica and, and epidemiologists that work with the health department, our health department is working on, because I do think that it's very confusing. I think you have um, the Fisher's testing site data, which only reports out the tests that we have done since April 24th, since the health department began. And then there's testing from um, testing results that include Fisher's residents um, that we get from the state. And, and then, of course, you have the state um, health department's data. So we are working on a way, as Monica mentioned, to take um, indicators that are more meaningful and to so that people have kind of the 
quick and dirty, as I like to say, of what's going on in our community. So, you know, to answer your question in a, in a short way, it's very difficult, I think, um, even as a healthcare professional to synthesize this data because it is, it is changing. Um, we are, you know, we have to wait for some of the results from the state to come back to reflect in some of the, the graphs that you see. So even I struggle with, um, you know, with some of the graphs because it's a lot of, of complicated information. You know, we are working on a way to make it um, clearer for just, you know, officials resident who wants to have an understanding of what's going on. Um, I think that, you know, what we can glean from the data is that we are thankfully testing more people. I think that the the, the value of having a free testing site is that we want as many Fishers residents to be tested because then we'll have a better idea of what's going on in our city and the trends um, that are occurring so that, you know, we can make better recommendations to schools and businesses based on what we're seeing in our community. So if you look at just the Fishers uh, Health Department testing data, you can see that we're testing more individuals and we're seeing more positive results than we saw earlier like we did early in the pandemic. In fact, um, you know, some of those numbers are even higher than earlier in the pandemic. So I think that just in general, looking at that trend is important. And that's what we're concerned about. To stay with you, Dr. Lane, for a moment, uh, the website, uh, the FishersRecovery.com website, has listed 35 deaths in Fishers due to COVID-19. That's remained steady uh, for a number of weeks. Uh, Where do you get that specific number? So some of that information is um, from the state as well. That is, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Monica, since the beginning, um, you know, of the pandemic from the the time they've been um, tracking this data, not since the start of the health department. Yes, that's correct. Okay, well, so a lot of people ask about that. So based on your website, so that would indicate that 35 people have died since the beginning of the pandemic with a Fisher's mailing address. Is that my understanding? That's correct. Okay, good. Uh, Monica, I want to go. Correct, Monica, just to make sure that. Um, with the Fisher's residency. Fisher's yeah. residency. Okay, very good. That That's a little bit of a difference because you can have a Fisher's address and not live in the city. All right. Uh, Monica, with you, the, um, you do, I, I post a brief video every business day and I try to watch them when I can. And the message you uh, posted right before we uh, recorded this podcast. You discuss an increase in positive test results in the younger age group. You also mm-hmm. describe this as a community spread of, of the novel coronavirus. Is there, you've kind of touched on this before, but talk a little more about this. Any indication as to why this is happening now? Um, I think... I think there's a, a lot of different factors. One is that we would kind of expect um, some increase in cases with the reopening. Um, I, I, again, uh, some of this is conjecture, okay? But I I would anticipate that this is probably what happened before we saw um, before we saw what happened in March and April. We just couldn't test those individuals, right? So. We know that um, the, the folks that were first affected um, seriously and were being hospitalized, they were the first ones to get the testing. So we weren't able to test the younger individuals with the milder symptoms. They were just simply sent home and told to wait it out um, because the testing um, capacity was very limited at that time. So it's not completely surprising um, but it is a little bit concerning just because um, our, our younger folks um, are, I think, being a little bit less cautious 
and then then some of our more at-risk individuals who are still kind of hunkering down, right? Um, and the younger folks are are out there and they're socializing and they're you know having parties or going to work or you know doing doing the things that that aren't necessarily completely discouraged because we did open things up. We want people to to be able to live their lives, but but that does result in increased spread. So the message still is that you know. Uh, you can't really guarantee that anybody's immune from any terrible consequences of this disease um, or that that, you know, that kind of activity isn't going to possibly lead to harm to other individuals. So I think um, we still need to be very cautious. We still don't understand what the long term effects of the of the virus might be on people, even if they didn't experience very serious consequences from having it. They may experience consequences down the road that um, that have yet to be determined. So I think um, we still need to be quite cautious, but we have seen that balance of of who has the virus right now shifting into the younger age groups. I see. Uh, Monica, staying with you for a moment, one of my blog readers messaged me uh, recently that the uh, county health department had always provided curriculum, materials, guest speakers, and other types of support for HSC schools for their programs. So does your department plan to continue with that? Um, absolutely. We, cer- don't, we certainly don't want people to feel like they're losing anything. They should only feel like they're gaining something. Um, so we're working towards that. Um, and um, so we are looking to bring on a health educator that can, that can do some of those activities and um, additional activities as well that would that would help uh, with our community outreach efforts and our um, education efforts and our coordination efforts with all of the different uh, various entities. We we really hope to make this kind of an integrated health experience that we can um, kind of build into the structure and the fabric of the city. So um, so that you know because that's what our lives are, right? Health is health is a part of our life, so it should be kind of a part of everything we think about and everything we do. Dr. Lane, uh, talk about the importance of education, particularly at the school level. In terms of mitigating risk or in terms of um, the health department providing educational resources, as, as you alluded to earlier, is that the question? Just uh, the whole idea of education. Uh, again, I was just speaking particularly about the schools that the county had had, had and, and Monica says you will certainly continue that. Uh, talk about the education component, particularly as it applies to, let's say, K-12 through students. Right. You know, I think that having a health department and having um, one that's specific to the city of Fishers, we're able to, I know that, you know, the city has had a mental health initiative that's been very active in the schools. I think that as a public health department, that it's important that we continue that work um, in the schools, making sure that we provide education about, um, you know, mental health, anxiety, and depression that we're seeing increasing and certainly a pandemic um, has made that worse um, with children, particularly with distance learning. Um, I think that, you know, whether it is, um, you know, smoking, you know, we see um, increasing um, vaping in our uh, younger um, individuals, you know, those sorts of educational initiatives are important as a health department. We can see those trends and make sure that we provide educational resources that align with the trends that we're seeing not only in our community, um, you know, but in our, in our nation. So that is, you know, definitely something that's important to, you know, us um, in addition to, you know, kind of working through, um, you know, education around the pandemic. 
I want you each to answer this. And Dr. Lane, I'll stay with you for the moment. Uh, any health, and we alluded to this earlier, a health department does a whole lot more than COVID-19, although that is definitely the, the focus at the moment. Uh, you know, some of the things you would uh, deal with as a health department, uh, inspecting septic systems, dealing with immunizations in general, you know, vital records that are health-related, food and safety permits, swimming pools, and there are many more. So I guess, Dr. Lane, I'll start with you. Is the department ready to take on those responsibilities that the county health department once handled? So there are a number of things as a health, health department we absolutely have to do. And the things that are a must do, we have people in place that are um, learning and able to do the work that a health department must do. There you know, are um, things that a health department can do. And um, after we check the boxes in terms of the services that we have to perform as a health department, we'll assess the needs of the community and we'll start offering the things that um, are not mandatory, but are very important for health department. Monica, would you like to chime in on this? Yeah, um, we've we've been uh, printing death certificates for quite some time. We recently started printing birth certificates. Um, we've been issuing permitting for restaurants and pools and um, septics and wells and all of the other things that are um, required under state law that health departments be able to do. Um, we've been managing communicable diseases, not just COVID, but um, some of the other things that come through. Um, you know, there's 72 different reportable conditions um, that we're then responsible for following up on. Um, so we have been we have been doing this consistently. Our, uh, we recently had our local um, health ordinance um, on a couple of different chapters was recently passed um, by city council um, on the 20th, I believe it was. Um, so we will, you know, we now have the authority to actually issue uh, fines and, and collect uh, money for some of those services, um, you know, to, to keep us sustainable and, and that kind of thing. So some of that is a little bit of a process, but we're definitely well on our way. We've got the pools that are being inspected right now. We've got restaurants being inspected right now. Um, and um, I think I think everything is, is progressing just as we would expect it or even faster. How is the uh, mask mandate going so far, Monica? Um, I think it's going okay. I think we have a lot of support from a lot of our Fishers residents. So I would thank everyone for the support that they've been offering. I know that, you know, just as we've seen nationally, there are some people that feel very strongly against this idea, but we really feel that it was an important step to take. And obviously the governor's office thought so too. Um, in order to protect our residents, um, protect our vulnerable residents, protect our whole community, um, you know, our real goal here is to keep everything as open as we can and as open as we can safely and to get those kids back in school and to keep those businesses open. And this is really the least restrictive, most effective measure that we can do. Um, so it seemed really important to put this in place before things got to a place where we had to shut things down again. That is absolutely not what we want to have happen. We want people to continue going about their lives. So, um, again, this is this was um, the smartest decision, I think, for us um, in keeping our community open. Yeah, we're seeing states who are considering stay-at-home orders again. You don't want to do that. Uh, about out of time, so I'm going to ask each of you just to give me a brief message about the health department, what you might want people to know that I maybe didn't think to ask. Dr. Lane, I'll ask you to start. 
I want to just tag on to the mask mandate. I really um, see the Fisher's Health Department, um, you know, mandating the mask uh, requirement in the city of Fishers really as, um, you know, a sign, you know, it, it really is freedom for us, you know, freedom up for us to be able to resume our normal lives, um, to make this small sacrifice in terms of wearing a mask that for most people is not terribly restrictive um, and it's accessible to everyone and that you can wear a bandana, you can get an, an expensive mask and um, keep everybody safe. And so, you know, I do want to to just um, reinforce that message that we are doing this, you know, in an effort to keep Fishers open. Um, you know, I also would like to say in terms of having a health department, it's very exciting for the city of Fishers. Um, we do welcome um, input in terms of the services that are important um, to the, the residents. We want the health department to reflect um, the needs of the community. And so, um, you know, keep the, the feedback, you know, coming and more to come as, you know, we work through um, one, the pandemic, and then um, being able to provide all the services that one are requ required, and then two um, are reflective of the, the community needs. Monica Helton, any uh, final comments from you? Yeah, I just want um, to, you know, to hopefully project to everyone that we are really um, making a goal to be as transparent as possible in all of our processes. We do not want, um, you know, the, the, that we don't want there to be any question that um, that we're not looking at things carefully and that we're not um, really reviewing all the data. So that's one of the um, motivations for putting some of that data out there for the people that really like to look at it too, um, so that you know that that um, you have access to some of the same information that we're looking at. And then we're also looking at some of the other publicly available data in order to make those decisions um, database that will drive our community forward. And again, to tailor them to the needs of our community. The other thing I would mention is that from a testing capacity standpoint, um, the standing up the testing site was really important because having availability of testing is one of the keys to getting ahead of this. And we have a much greater availability of testing than I would say anywhere else in the state. Um, we are, um, we're testing just through our site alone, more than 200 individuals um, every single day. Um, Hamilton County is, is running about a hundred individuals through their site a day. So um, just from a testing capacity standpoint and a percentage of our population that we're able to get tested on a daily basis, we are doing much, much better than the rest of the state. Um, so we're not as good as we want to be. We certainly can do better, um, and we're going to keep striving to do that. But I think we're pretty well positioned and well set up to give you guys the best possible service. You just heard Monica Heltz. Monica Heltz is the public health director for the city of Fishers. And we were joined by Dr. Indy Lane, the chief medical director for the Fishers Health Department. I certainly learned a lot in this half hour. Ladies, thank you so much. And Dr. Lane, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Hey, Thanks, Barry. Thank you.